Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Fitter and Faster Coaches Corner. As always, I'm your host, Mike Murray. Today, I am thrilled to introduce you all to Coach Mike Davidson. Coach Mike Davidson is from the City of Canton School District in Canton, Ohio. Our team, Victor Swim Club, recently visited them this summer for a meet. They have a brand new $3 million renovation that just occurred at the Brandon Natatorium. Mike, welcome to the Coach's Corner. You had quite an exciting summer. I can't wait to talk to you about all the things that happened, but welcome, and uh, we're thrilled to have you on. Thanks, Mike. I, I really appreciate it, and I also appreciate the opportunity to spend some time with you and talk about my favorite topic, which is swimming. So all things swimming, I'm good all day long. Well, it's been fun to get to know you over the last 10 years and have our athletes compete against each other, and we've traveled all around the country and, and walked the same pool deck. And I'm glad I was able to finally nail you down. So, Mike, I'm sure you're as proud as anybody with Hunter's meteoric rise over the last year and a half. And it's been fun to see the impact that he made immediately when making Team USA. What has that journey been like for you and, and your club? So, you know, first of all, just uh, just having um, – Hunter, of course, qualified for the team was just outstanding. Uh, I remember uh, the night that he did qualify. Uh, I, I remember all three sessions, the prelims, the semifinals and the finals. And I don't know if it was if it, if it was nerves, because I'm not a guy that's really nervous, but I get really excited. And I was still recovering. I was early on in my shoulder surgery recovery. And as we went through the three sessions, my wife was with me at all three. Um, each time I got a little more animated. And so when, of course, when he made the team, you know, she's holding my arm down, my left arm, because I had shoulder surgery. And, and I, I mean, I just, it was like I wanted to jump out of my own skin. So it was, um, it was such a, a wonderful thing for him such a wonderful thing for his family and his community that he's from Dover, Ohio. And then the impact for us and of course for Ohio State was uh, tremendous. What a, what a impactful moment for you and your team. And as you mentioned, for Coach Durencott's team, it had to be so exciting because he was on people's radar screen, but he put together just an unbelievable race at trials. Walk us through how you prepared for that. Well, you know, honestly, he is uh, really, you know, if we use the reference of babe in the woods, I mean, that's, that's him. I'm, when I took over the program in 2017, um, we had about 16 swimmers on the team from his hometown, him included. And we got about, I don't know, maybe three weeks into the season, into, well, into my, into my coaching. And they all abandoned the program with the exception of like two or three. And he was one of them. He was one that left. And I got a call from his dad and his dad said, we want to have, you know, I want to have a meeting with you. And I'm like, listen, you know, this is the way we do it. He goes, no, no, I want to talk to you about Hunter and getting him back in. So to make a really long story short, I told him exactly what I thought was expected. And Hunter answered the call and stepped up and really did all that stuff. So that process, uh, having him go through all that type of adjusted training from just being a sprint oriented type person to getting some aerobic work and training some distance and doing the type of speed and power that I think is, is beneficial um, to, to help our athletes get faster. Uh, he grabbed onto that stuff like it was his favorite meal. 
I mean, he really did. He really, um, we really just saw an, uh, an evolution of, of an athlete that, to be honest with you, is still occurring. Um, and so, you know, he did a great job through his junior and senior year, went off to West Virginia for a year and did a nice job there, came back, of course, COVID hit. And then he came to us in, in uh, June of 2020 and didn't miss a trick. And we had some challenging uh, training environments. And uh, when he left to head off to Ohio State for that sophomore year, uh, of course, dealing with all the COVID, there were breaks where he came back to us because of COVID shutdown and those kind of things. We took care of all of the sets that Ohio State wanted him to do. And he did some pretty impressive sets in practice. Um, but we helped you know, foster that continued growth and development. It's so fun to watch, Mike. And at what point did you and your staff think to yourself, you know what, this kid's got a chance? Well, you know, I think when, um, when, when Matt and Bill took him to the tier pro meet at uh, Indianapolis at IUPUI, and he ended up winning that event, which we, which we watched closely um, and it had dropped, you know, almost a full second you know, he was from 54 to, to 53, six. And I was like, Oh my God, at that point, the conversations with Bill, Matt, and myself uh, became very pointed. And I said, you know what? I mean, he has a really good opportunity of getting a second swim at trials. And I go, if, the, if he has any sort of taper that he's had in the past, uh, you never know. I mean, he could be knocking on the door and man, oh man, he had a decent, you know, a preliminary swim it was good. And then um, that semifinal swim was uh, was really an eye opener as it put him into second place going into the final. Um, and then, you know, and then he let it all loose, uh, even with his poor out of the three starts. It was his worst start um, was that finals. And uh, man, oh, man, did he get home like a, a freight train. Now, Mike, how are you managing some of the emotions that Hunter's going through from just a tremendous semifinal? performance at trials and then him probably realizing you know there's there's a good shot here how do you manage that moment as a coach well so when that all happened of course there were a lot of phone calls uh with his with his his mom and dad and i uh there were phone calls with bill with matt and then of course with hunter um i'm not sure if you saw the next morning he had to swim the hunter freestyle and he went a best time by a little bit but that was with zero sleep. Um, so I, once, once I, the uh, Olympic staff made the decision that he needs to go right back to training and not worry about the 50, they scratched the 50. He went right back into the weight room. The conversations became much more about a calm, you know, focused, uh, uh, pointed conversations. And they weren't, you know, as much as we reveled for a minute, with him making the team, now it was going uh, into all the other process, right? Back to training, back to lifting, back to swimming. Um, Matt and Bill did such a great job with that. Um, this was a first in every category for him. First time uh, out of the country, first time with a passport. He's doing all of this by himself. And I uh, he, in 2019, he had made uh, the U.S. Uh, national junior team, but then all of the trips and training camps got canceled. So he had no prior experience to any international competition, any of that. And um, so he had to learn on the fly. He didn't, have, he didn't have one of his coaches with him. He didn't have a parent. 
He was on his own from Wednesday when we did um, when he came home after trials. Wednesday, we did the uh, meet and greet with the Ohio State people and his hometown was there. Everyone was there. Then the next day on Thursday, he got up, he got on the plane, flew to, D, uh, to D.C. And he had not had a current COVID or a, um, he needed a, a he needed a COVID test, a negative test, and he didn't have one. And so he had a layover there. And so they had a, an OSU alum came and picked him up, took him to lunch, got him a COVID test, and then brought him back so he could get on the plane to go to Hawaii. So even though we already had his COVID shot, which he got right when he got back to Ohio State, he still had to quarantine because it was within the two weeks. So he got to Hawaii like seven days before everybody else. And he sat in a hotel room. <laughs> so, I mean really helping him uh, keep his mind focused, keep him calm. And he's a pretty chill guy uh, that wasn't hard, but it was, um, there were points where, you know, you had to deal with a lot of boredom and distraction. But once the team got there, uh, he was, uh, he was ready to roll. Yeah. What, what an incredible story. Kid from Dover, Ohio, all of a sudden finding himself on the team in Tokyo, first time out of the country. Just unbelievable, and Mike. Unbelievable. Uh, just a, a, an incredible, an incredible couple weeks for you guys and for Hunter and his family. And now you turn to the, the Paralympics and an athlete who trained with you a little bit this past year, and an athlete that we know well here in Western New York, Martha Ruther, is going to be competing in Tokyo this week. Uh, what was it like to work with her, and and how excited are you guys for what she's got coming up in Tokyo this week? You know, I'll. Tell Tell you, uh, meeting Martha, I met her when she interviewed for the uh, the grad, the GA uh, position at Malone, and um, she was a class act from from the get go. Uh, I've met her parents, very nice people, um, but yeah, she is uh, she's all business. She knows what she's doing. She's seasoned, um, and uh, you know, walking around with those Olympic rings tattooed on your back. I mean, she's um, you know she she garners a lot of respect. And, um, but yet she is such a, a personable individual um, and a great communicator. So um, yeah, we're all very, very excited for her. You know, her and Peggy Ewald, which is her main coach, um, who was also the interim coach here at Malone last year. Uh, we're just very, very excited for those guys. It's gonna be fun to watch. And uh, as those games continue, it's been amazing. You and I were talking a little bit in pre-production some of the times that these athletes are putting up are, are incredible. So it's going to be a fun week to watch what's happening in Tokyo. And I know, Mike, it's a great segue into our talk today, which is about speed and power. So talk sure. to us about your basic philosophy when it comes to incorporating uh, workouts that are dedicated to speed, workouts that are dedicated to helping your athletes build some power in the water. So I've been... Um really invested in speed and power development uh, since I coached at Solon. Um, we didn't have quite an exuberant budget. And so buying a bunch of uh, power towers and power racks were financially limiting. Uh, I had visited um, Bloomington and, um, and with Ray Luz and they had, uh, they had the same wooden benches around their pool deck that we had at Solon. And I looked at their pulley system, which is the same pulley system that, that um, um, Eddie Reese has at Texas. 
And I came back and I put one of those in each of our eight lanes. And so we started dabbling in speed and power and, um, and we bought a couple of power racks and then we had one power tower. So we had some stuff that we could do some different things. When I came here, that's when I really started to um, take uh, the investment and the research into speed and power uh, to the next level. Um, and that means reaching out to a lot of coaches uh, and, and, and cherry picking uh, from a lot of coaches. I mean, there are a lot of coaches out there doing such a great job, but in turn, in the short amount of time that we started doing that, um, our sprint end of our program here has gotten pretty good. Um, you know, with three girls going sub 23 in the last four years, um, we had uh, one girl under 50, two girls at 50 point. Um, on our guy side, uh, we had uh, four guys at 20 point, um, two guys at 44, and then a, a, a couple more at 45, um, a low to 45 mid. Um, it helped our sprint, pro, our breaststroke program with our girl breaststrokers. We, you know, 101 breaststrokers, 102 breaststrokers. Um, our guy breaststrokers are down in the 55 range. So, I mean, it, it really helped all the way across and, and super exciting. Um, so the way we incorporate that, uh, and this year we're going to be back to normal, right? The last year was the first time ever in my coaching career that I, I ever coached 14, year, uh, 14 months straight with really no break other than, of course, my shoulder. But our team went with no break. There was, you know, if you went on a vacation, that was your call. Um, but we did see some really nice development from our sprint end. This year, we'll be back to a little bit of a normal development process. So we've, took, we've taken about three weeks off and we'll start up next week. And we will go about six weeks of uh, stroke, stroke development skills and drills and aerobic development. And in turn, we will mix in a little bit of speed play at the end of every practice, 12 and a half, 25s, something where the kids can get up and get frisky on something, but yet at the same time, not have a lot of stroke breakdown. Um, once we get through about that six weeks, then we'll start implementing more uh, in our morning practices. We'll start building and implementing more of our speed and power approach, which is power racks, power towers, Destro machines. Um, we use chutes, drag socks, fist bags, uh, of course, fins and paddles, um, you name it. We're, uh, I've got a uh, uh, body weighted vest that we do a power, we do a power on uh, set with, uh, we've got a 25, 30, 35 and a 40 pound vest, depending on how strong you are, you're going to wear one of those vests. I do a lot of that with breaststroke. So they'll do a lot of, uh, we'll start early season. We'll just be regular uh, deep squats, no jump. And then once they get strong enough, then we'll build the jumps in and get explosive. And then we build that into a dive set of some sort early in the season. It'll be more volume end of the season. It'll get more specific with deliberate paces or times that they have to hit. But, um, yeah, I really, I try to be progressive with our, with our speed, just the same way that I'm progressive with an aerobic development set, same way I'm progressive with an IM set, you understand. Um, I try to really build into these things and uh, not overload the system too early. Mike, walk us through a little micro cycle. What does a week look like in terms of what energy systems or what your, what your micro cycle plan looks like? So our, our week is, is, and I've kept this, this structure for a long time. Um, 
We have here at, at, at Canton, we do four afternoons, Monday through Thursday. We do um, three mornings, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then we have a Saturday morning. So that's a total of what, uh, eight workouts. So it's a little less at Solon, we did 10. We offered 10 workouts at Solon. Here, we've been very successful on, on eight workouts. Um, so our week is typically uh, Monday morning, and I'm going to go into a main week, not like an early season week. Monday morning would be uh, speed and power, but it would have an, a, a probably a strong emphasis on a kick set. So with some, like we use the, uh, the, the tier kickboards with a shoot, the tier shoot, resist shoot, the kick shoot. We'll do a set with that. Uh, we'll do it fins, no fins, just depends on who you are and where we're at. Um, and so we'll hit some good power on Monday morning. Then we'll get into Monday afternoon will be an aerobic workout. So it'll be mostly freestyle. So you'll have your distance group, your mid distance, hitting what's necessary for them. And then with the sprinters, the one thing that I've changed with sprinters, um, as much as I want them to get a little bit of an aerobic base early on, I've changed our aerobic focus. Instead of it being hard, intense send-offs, which we do some of that, I change it to breath control. So our sprinters will do 50s, 25s, 50s, 75s, and 100s, all with, a, with specific breathing patterns. You know, 5-4-3, that kind of thing. And uh, you want to see a sprinter get his heart rate up or her heart rate up on some 75s, you so throw some three, two, one at them and maybe tighten that send off a little bit. You're going to get the same aerobic effect and they won't feel like they're doing hundreds on one Oh five repeat, which drives them nuts. Correct. So that's our Monday, our Tuesday, uh, as we're in the season, our Tuesday, um, We'll probably lead off with a benchmark kick set after warm up. We'll hit the legs pretty good. And then we're going to go into active rest. And again, depending on where the season is, depends on what the volume of those sets look like. But our active rest is a lot of race pace orientation. So you might do four rounds of a 50 build followed by four 50s. If you're a sprinter, it might be descend to second 50 of 100. Uh, it might be odds build evens at second 50 of 100, depending on what that is. It could be hold at 200 pace. The distance group, their set might be 100s or 150s or something of that nature, holding 500 pace on a tighter send off. You get a little recovery swim and you hit the four rounds of that. Our Wednesdays, of course, our power in the morning, uh, and we'll do more. Depending on where we're at in the season, we'll do more with shoots. Uh, we'll start incorporating those weight vests. Uh, of course, the rack, power towers, destros, all that good stuff. Our mornings are an hour and 15 minutes. And a lot of our kids only stay for an hour because they have to change and get to school. So we've got to make that morning really, really valuable. Uh, if you haven't used fist bags, get those. They tell are. Me, tell us about those a little bit. They're, so it's just a little... So when I was at Solon, we used to buy uh, rubber gloves and it didn't have fingers. And it was a, a rubber glove that um, I think Finice actually still sells them. Uh, and they, they're costly because they do rip, they're latex, but it really takes the hand out of the equation and it makes kids focus on the sweet spot in their forearm on their catch. So with these fist bags, you get the same thing, but also the fist bag is looser, it's mesh. And so there's also some resistance there. So you get a little bit of a paddle effect out of it. 
the hand can be a little more open, but the sensory perception becomes more significant. And so we'll do that. And then we'll take the bags off and do some sprint 25s or 12 and a half or 50s or 75s, depending on who you are. Right. But it is really a nice tool. Um, so that's our, that's our morning. That's our morning setup on Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon, uh, typically is going to be VO2 max, you know, some sort of equal swim, equal rest, some sort of quality. Uh, we might even do a King of the Hill match on a Wednesday where everyone gets up and we do a, a pentathlon and we, you know, we award everyone, whoever the winner is on the guys or the girls, they get the, uh, they get the heavyweight belt and we'll take pictures with it. And, and maybe we'll do one of those in uh, towards the end of September and we'll do another one in October before they head off to high school season uh, just to see, you know, did the King of the Hill stay the same or did somebody else win the belt? So uh, the majority of our Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday is freestyle. Now they will get a little bit of IM in there. We will get a little bit of stroke, but that's predominantly freestyle. Our, our Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we mirror the same image, but it's a little reverse. So Thursday, we're back to uh, active rest. Um, no, I'm sorry. Thursday, we're back to threshold. Then Friday, since we have a morning, I kind of do a hodgepodge on a morning. We'll do a little bit of speed and power, but I'll mix it with active rest. And then on Saturday, we come back to, uh, it, depending on what we need, will either be quality or it could be a rainbow workout, kind of a, uh, kind of a, um, uh, a coach or band check rainbow workout, right? Where we just, everybody hits colors, all different ranges. And, um, and we'll do something like that on a Saturday because we have a little more time. Mike, it sounds so exciting. And you're incorporating a lot of toys and a lot of equipment, which keeps things fresh and new to the kids. For, for those coaches out there who maybe haven't been to IU or been down to uh, the University of Texas, explain how you set up those um, your, your weight systems that way so that people have an idea of what, what's possible in their facility. Yeah, and and uh, I wish I had pictures. I know it's somewhere in my phone. I do. So you have um, you have you have a pulley, you have a pulley at the top up in your up in your rafters, right? You'll have, and we buy pulleys, boat pulleys. We don't go to Home Depot because those pulleys are not they're not tight, right? They're the metal and the cord can flip over and get caught in between the frame of the pulley and the pulley itself. So we actually go to a marine shop and we buy sailing pulleys. They're much tighter, better uh, ball bearings. They're smaller. So you have a, a pulley at the top. You have a pulley at the bottom and you run your, you run your, your wire, your power tower that I would buy. I would call Sam Bankura and I would buy his power tower uh, uh, cord and I would run that through. I would have an eyelet, uh, so like just a um, uh, a screw that has that eyelet on the top, you know, and I would run just for it to be a guide, and I'd have the, the cord go from the bench, and then it would attach to a, a, a regular waist belt, right? They would clip it on, and it would hang in the, in the water. You got to make sure you measure your cord out enough so you have enough cord to go up and down that's going to allow them to go the full 25 yards. Um, but other than that, I mean, you can do flip turns with those things. Uh, I would have distance kids do repeat 150s, which they did not like because they're against the weight going down and getting assisted coming back. That would be a bit of a circuit because you only have uh, one person uh, that can wear the belt. Um, so I would do like three, three kids in a row. So the first kid would have, uh, let's say, fist bags on, 
or maybe the first kid would be paddles. The second kid would be drag socks. And then I would have uh, that person with uh, uh, the power tower behind them. You, you can figure out a, a system to run more than one person per lane, right? So that's, that's kind of how we did uh, that setup at Solon. Here, you know, we have so much more space. I mean, we have a diving well, we have eight lanes, 25 yards, we have eight lanes, 33 yards. So if I need to mix up locations, I can do that. Mike, talk about the underwater on the assisted speed coming back on the court. How much do the kids look forward to really blasting that? Yeah. And, you know, that is a, a focal point. We will put markers in the water cones. And when they come off, we really want those kids working those underwaters uh, really to a, a full stroke breakout at the 15. So we'll put that we'll put that cone a little bit before the 15 on the way back so that they can really focus on that and really hit that. But they it's that's really a great um, sensory uh, enhancement. Right. For them to feel that speed of the assist. And then coming back, really getting after the kick. Um, and we do, we have some really nice underwater kickers on our team. So, uh, and that's one thing that Hunter is, was getting better at and still is getting better at. So his underwaters are going to be a big focus for him. Mike, are you seeing that transition into the racing? So when you see that breakout, that proprioception, is it carrying over that kinesthetic awareness to the race? Absolutely. And I use the word kinesthetic awareness daily. Um, and that, uh, that is 100% true. Um, when, when I first came here in 2017, our best underwater guy, and he's still a great underwater guy is Will Rhodes. Uh, Will is just a tremendous athlete and, and a, a, a very, very probably he's 24. What was he this summer? 24, two, 24, three, 50 meter fly, uh, just a, a, a dynamic athlete. Um, but in turn, we have made other athletes a lot better with their underwaters. So we'll do a lot of underwater kicking with drag socks. We'll do, a, you know, as much as kicking with fins is great, making them more aware of their feet and their hip and core connection to their kick is so much more valuable. So I prefer a short fin if we're going to use fins. And I, I really prefer them to kick with drag socks. And it doesn't mean they're doing you know, 150s kick with drag socks, but we're going to do some 12 and a half and 25s and maybe even a 50 hard with drag socks. So they're, they're that, that kinesthetic awareness becomes more valuable and it becomes more natural. So that is an area that we've made significant improvement on for sure. Mike, walk us through a really simple city of Canton underwater kick set. So We've got a bunch of different ones we do. So with regards to um, a, a power type set that we'll do, we'll put a resist cyst cord on. You'll do uh, four fifties underwater with the cord and you'll do your underwater kicks until the cord snaps onto you and starts resisting you. And then the goal is to make it. Now, a lot of times we'll do that set with with fins on with short blade fins. So they'll go really hard going down on the way back, it's relaxed. Then once they do four rounds of that, so uh, four fifties on one fifteen or one one minute, whatever the send off is, we'll take a minute sweep, and then it's four fifties hold fast on a minute uh, with fins, or maybe we'll go four fifties descend without fins on one thirty or something like that. But really trying to connect that, and in turn, if you're going to kick on your stomach, then you're kicking from fish kick to your stomach to the breakout, and then you can flip to your back if you want. Uh, if you're a backstroker, then you're kicking on your back. But we, I try not to do, as I'm sure you're aware and your audience is aware, 
people that kick on their on their back aren't always as strong kicking on their stomach. Fly kicking on your stomach is much more challenging. So really, you've got to teach that. You can't just let them kick on their back. So we we practice a lot of push off, fish kick from the side, then either to the stomach, then break out, or to the back. I, I like that, Mike. And I like the point that you make because it's so true with so many of our athletes is they're really flexible and loose in that uh, undulating pattern on their back, but you don't necessarily see it on the front. So you're, you're paying special attention to that. You mentioned um, your breaststrokers have seen some great improvements since incorporating some more speed and power. Talk about what some of the breaststrokers are doing on, on your toys, on your buckets, on your cords. So we really, um, we really do a lot of the same thing for everybody, right? When they're on those power, uh, those power sets, the, the toys, like you're saying. But I really like to do some separate stuff for brushstrokers. So one of the things that I think is an area that's not trained enough is the, uh, is the pullout. And so we'll do very similar to that kick set I just told you. You'll strap on the cord and you will do pullouts, efficient pullouts, not quick, you know, snappy pullouts. I'm talking full position pullouts from streamline to dolphin kick to pull to recovery back to streamline. You'll do that the whole way down the pool until you can't go any further, come up and swim whatever strokes you have to, to get into the wall, to get a little feel on your hands. Then you'll come back easy. We'll do four fifties like that on, like I said, a minute, 115. Then we'll do 450s where they um, do on a descending count of pullouts. So the first 50 will be three pullouts each length. The next one will be two pullouts each length. Then you've got one pullout each length and then you're setting up your time. And then the last one, number four, is gonna be a regular 50, uh, push fast, be uh, at like second 50 of 100. But really also measuring where is that pullout taking you to? And how many strokes? I'm a big fan of stroke count. So what is your stroke count on all of that? So that's one of the sets we do. Um, I don't know if you've seen these belts and, and they're challenging, but Tier makes these belts. They're light blue and they're a very short, tight cord. And I've got a, a few of them. And some of our guy brushstrokers have actually broke them, but uh, I'll put that on the block. And I'll attach it to the block and I want them to push off. They're not going to go very far at all, but I want them to take like, I'll give them a stroke count, eight, 10, 12 strokes hard with that resistance and really trying to feel their corners. And then we'll do so many reps of that. Then I'll disconnect them and go uh, maybe like a broken hundred, like by 25s and do the 25s on like say 15 seconds rest. Um, that is another way to develop that kinesthetic awareness. A lot of times brushstrokers will out sweep and they won't go fingertips down when they're rounding their corners. They'll, they'll, what we call, yep. They'll get out there and they'll just polish the, polish the water. Their hand will slide back. They let go of the water and in turn they slow down. So I really want them feeling that anchor as they uh, bring their fingertips down around their corners. Mike, you're writing morning practice for me for tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take it all. I, I really appreciate that. And I, and I like how, you know, you're focusing on getting those fingertips down and setting that power phase of the stroke up. You absolutely a lot about technique with your athletes during practice, during main sets. All the time. I mean, um, we've, you know, we've got to the point to where if somebody's not doing something right, then we'll just pull them out and just say, listen, or I'll take a video of it. 
and have them come over. And, and I just talked to my coaches yesterday in our coaches meeting that our phones on, on deck are not for our boredom. Our phones on deck are for only for the use in the water. And I go, I'm, I go, I'm the first criminal of that. So we need to make sure we're doing more of that. But pulling people out in the middle, in the middle of a sentence, sometimes it's not always when we're refining, you know, technique and skill work. It's when they're going fast is when you're going to see the flaws, when they're trying to go at race speed. And so when they're doing that, that's when I'll get that clip or that's when I'll make that note and we'll address that. But yes, that happens on the regular. We also use the, um, our team before I came, they went to the race club uh, at the end of uh, 2016, I think it was. They went to the race club and um, they came back and they purchased the headsets. And so we have those headsets um, and I get them out and I'll charge them and, and we'll use those. And that, that's a great tool to speak to the kids while they're in the water when you're doing, and we'll do a lot of that coming up here in the early portion of the season. Mike, it sounds like you, you incorporated a lot of different aspects into your program and you must be a coach who's on the lookout for new ways to get faster. What are some of the things that you make sure you're doing week in and week out to learn or try new things? Well, after 30 years in this business for 30 years and having coached at two Division One schools, Cleveland State and Penn State, and, and as you have done, especially, uh, this is a great tool for you uh, as well as a coach, um, you make a lot of friends and you develop a lot of rapport with, uh, with coaches. So for me to reach out to Ray Luz or Bill Dorncott or, um, I mean, you name it, I've reached out. I, I, I mean, I've contacted uh, Greg Troy. Uh, I mean, I've, I've spoken to a lot of coaches and, and that's just me having enough nerve to call and say, I want to I want to know how you're doing this. I know you've got this athlete, be it Caleb Dressel, which I haven't called Greg about Caleb, but you've got athletes that are elite level athletes. And I want to know how what I what am I missing or what am I doing that I need to improve on? And I'll, I'll, if I have any sort of a question or concern, I'm not shy. I did, um, when I was at Solon, I did a two and a half day visit with, um, with uh, Chris Plum at Carmel Swim Club. And Ian Murray, who's at Dynamo, was uh, his associate head coach at the time. Ian swam for me, uh, club and college at Cleveland State. And so I had great rapport with those guys. And by the way, Vern Gambetta was there. And so it was a trifecta for me. And I mean, I learned a lot from our age groupers fitness level all the way to some of the things that I've still used today. So kick out sticks. So we have a PVC tubing that attaches to the, uh, to the lane line and it sticks out and I can adjust that of course, wherever I want. So I use those on the regular. That's a huge tool. And then just, we use PVC poles just for dynamic warmup, uh, leg swings, perfect body position on, on squats, uh, hang cleans. So I went there for two and a half days and I walked out with a year's worth of knowledge. It was just, and, and to this day, that was a lot of years ago, to this day, I still use all that information. So Mike, don't any, be afraid to get out there and, and call coaches up because they'll share. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. And that's something that we were constantly reinforcing to coaches, but they have to reach out, you know, Anytime we're we're trying to get some PVC and there's a shortage, I'm, I think to myself, Plum must be up to something because those guys <laughs> got more PVC at Carmel than anywhere I've ever seen. Uh, Mike, in terms of setting up your season, 
when you're looking to decide how many meets you're going to or what meets are you targeting, what does it look like for you guys at Canton? So um, a lot of our stuff gears around leading up to the high school season. The high school season is really important here in Ohio. Um, we have a, as you're aware, Ohio high school swimming is, is some of the best. And um, so when I look at that, I look at what's going to prepare us leading up to, no, you know, the, the middle of November. So we have a meet, uh, the brawn meet, uh, which uh, will probably be out in Spire. And um, that is a prelim final meet. And so we'll do, a, we're geared to do a little what I call a step down. So we'll start Monday as normal. And then each Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we'll just kind of bring, bring the intensity down, the volume. Not a lot. A lot of people make the mistake of dropping off way too much. We're going to do a short rest. Well, then you've just confused the body because now it thinks you want to shut down and rebuild. So just doing a little bit of a, a regressive step down is not going to shock the body. And it's going to just bring you to life a little bit. Put a little wind under your feet. So when I look at our schedule, I, I started from our meet in October. And then I, you know, and then I build it right into that, uh, that meet in November. And then with our club kids, that's, that's a different philosophy. You know, we, we want to race them at least once a month. We want our age groupers race them once a month. Um, and then making sure that the other times uh, we'll invite a team over Hudson heat will come over and we'll do a combined practice. Uh, Firestone will come over. We'll do a combined practice, those kind of things. But I really try to do what's going to prepare the kids up till high school season. And then as soon as they're, Back from high school season, we really have a short amount of time to get them prepared for uh, Lake Erie Champs, sectionals, NCSAs, whatever that is. Um, typically, I like to go to NCSAs. It's a little later, and it gives us a little more time to prepare. Mike, we, we at Victor Swim Club really appreciate Lake Erie Swimming. We, we felt a part of your LSC this past summer. We didn't have any meets in our LSC, so it was great to race against you guys. And one of the things that I've noticed, and I've always known this about all of you, but Ohio and Lake Erie swimming in particular, you guys have a lot of great programs and great coaches who seem to have a really good rapport, whether it's Matt Davis, uh, Ken Heiss over at Mason. Uh, you know, you guys just, you all, you all seem to have great rapport. What's it like coaching in that LSC where the dynamics between the clubs and the staff seem really supportive? You know, I'll tell you something, um, and that's really a great point. Um, you feel like it's collaborative. Like you have a collaborative, you have the ability, like for example, if, if I called Ken up and I said, Ken, I wanna come over, would you be okay with me coming over and watching a couple of days of practice? He would not bat an eye, right? Uh, um, Kevin at Dayton Raiders, Kevin Weldon, uh, Kevin and I, we talk all the time. So we're not limited. We don't limit ourselves to our own little small world, right? We try to get out there and we try to collaborate and communicate. Eric Peterson at Shaker, uh, of course, Matt Davis at, at Hudson. Matt was my first assistant at Solon. Matt does a phenomenal job. And, and we share ideas back and forth all the time. So yeah, that's another that to me, I think it's really important not to be inhibited and, and, and allow each other to communicate because we're all going to do it a little bit different. But we all want to get better. And we all and, and one guy might be doing those underwater kick sets better than you guys are, right? And the other, you might be doing a power set that they like. There's a lot of sharing. And I think that is uh, I think that is so, so important. I think it's important for us as professionals, and I think it's really important for your for your program. Uh, 
Also, it helps not to get redundant and stale, right? You get a new fresh idea and you bring it in. Um, I got a really cool set from Ohio State uh, about three years ago, and I, I'll, I'll pop it in every once in a while. It's a fun, fun set, and the kids get a kick at them. It's a lot of equipment, kicking, pulling, and it's short blast, but it's fun, and it, they keep switching gear, and it makes it just, you know, it keeps their brain busy. Uh, we do Baylor IMs, uh, which, you know, I, I mean, he, he, who does it any better? I mean, he, Dan does a phenomenal job. I mean, what an amazing uh, uh, program he has. And he does some really fun stuff. And they work hard. Oh. They, they, they train really hard. And, I mean, he's a, he's a, a Germantown Academy guy, you know. So, I mean, he knows Schulberg's no joke. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I just think that that kind of approach is, is it's pivotal. It really is. Mike, you know, we, we both spent time on Division One staffs and, and now have been in the, the club coaching game. What, what are some of the things that you miss about college? What are some of the things that you love about coaching club? So the things I miss about college is um, that schedule is a little different. Now, I loved recruiting. I was, I was a, you, know, you know, a pivotal recruiter, both Cleveland State and Penn State. Um, I really liked getting on the road. I loved going to meet kids at their home pool and talking with their coaches. I was, I think I was a little bit different as a recruiter because I just didn't communicate with the kid. I spoke to their parent, their coach. There are a lot of college coaches out there that do not communicate with the club coach, especially once the kid's there. And I'm not a fan of that. Um, I think it's important because we were part of the process, a big part of the process. Um, but I, I also miss that schedule. You know, the, uh, a college dual meet is not, you know, three days long and four hours, uh, you know, four hour sessions. You know, you come in, you guys, you know, you get you know, go head to head and you move on about your day. I know my wife misses that schedule. Um, uh, that's the one thing she would prefer is shorter uh, meet, meet sessions. But um, and I really loved uh, and it's one of the things I'm, I'm really trying to grow here. But I love being a part of something bigger than yourself. So when you're at Penn State, you're at Cleveland State, which is my alma mater, you're, you're not just part of the swimming and diving program, you're part of the whole athletic and academic community. And there's a level of pride. So when I put on my Cleveland State stuff, it's not just because I remember my swimming, my coaching there, but I, I, love, I love what the university does. And it's, you know, I have my first swimmer to swim at Penn State. Aiden Newman is a freshman there. And I gave him one of my uh, Big Ten uh, uh, um, pullovers. I gave him uh, one of my Big Ten, you know, championship fleece pullovers. And I said, man, I go, nobody there is going to have that gear. I go, because it's been in my closet. And he was just so excited. And it, he's not just excited to have that. He's excited because it's Penn State stuff, you know, like it represents what you know where he's going to be proud to be a, a, a an alum one day of that school so that part those are the parts I miss about college the things I love about club coaching um <laughs> and understand I, I live 55 miles away I remember you and I talking you were on the on the road for like an hour and 12 minutes one day going to work when you were in Long Island and uh and it, you were only 12 miles away and it took you that long <laughs> to get to work but um I live 55 miles away and I wake up every day and I'm ready to go. I really, I come here, I'm excited. I'm 30 years into this business and it's, it's the youth. It's the excitement. I just met with one of my, my swimmers. She's going to Oakland university. She leaves Saturday and she brought me a nice picture and everything. And I was just like, I go this to me, this is what it's all about. This is about helping young people find their path. 
right? And, and, and swimming is such a great foundation builder, time management, commitment, you know, start a project, finish a project, you know, diligence. I mean, all those, that's why they're, they're so employable because they're, they're the kind of kids or young people you want working for you. So that's the stuff I really love other than, you know, watching kids get faster and, and, and all that easy answer. Right. I think it's the, um, I think it's the intangibles that matter the most. No doubt about it. And I know, my, you know, my club teammate, one of my best friends that we grew up together, Jen Ever, swam with you at Penn State. Yeah. I said, you know, tell me one of your favorite things about Mike. And this is years ago. And she said enthusiasm. And I said, yeah. absolutely. You know, in, in this summer, we're at the end of a six hour long session at your place. And some 13, 14 year old girl broke the uh, club record at Canton, the two back. You went nuts. And yep. We yep. For hours. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It is. Uh, you, ju you just got to love it. I mean, if you don't love it, then don't do it because you're not going to be a millionaire, you know, or you're going to have to work really hard if you want to be one. But I mean, you got to love doing it and you got to love giving back to the kids and you got to, I mean, you just got to love it. It's uh, it's got to be a passionate thing that you do. Mike, it's a great segue into uh, our, our last question here. And this has been an important topic on Coach's Corner throughout the last year and a half. And that's coaches' health and wellness. Uh, what are you doing as a coach and as a family man, as a husband, to make sure you're taking care of yourself and you're taking care of your family first? Because our careers can get very busy. We can be traveling all over the place. And we can sometimes forget uh, and make those human mistakes where we're putting our job before other things. Um, Mike, that has happened more than you would like to know in my life, right? Um, I get, I get uh, as a lot of us do, we get blinded by the job and it's almost like you have blinders on and you're just paying attention to what you got going on. So I, you know, my wife has been along this journey the entire way. Uh, we've been together 30 years. We've been married 12. Yay. But um it is, it is really important to make sure that you turn things off, which is not easy for me. I'm the, I've always been the kid, if the phone was ringing, I wanted to answer it, right? So um, you've got to learn how to, to shut things off. So when I go home, um, I, I, I do my very best to shut my phone off because I can answer those questions and emails tomorrow. And, um, and I try to spend some good quality time with my wife. We definitely try to make a date night at least once a week where she and I go out and have dinner uh, or we meet for a happy hour somewhere after, after her work. Um, we try to spend time together with uh, outside or inside. So if there are dishes that need to be cleaned or help with cooking, whatever, get involved. Don't be, don't be disconnected, be connected. Uh, she says, be present. My wife says, I need you to be present. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, you're right. I, I, because there are moments where I'm not, there are moments where I'm thinking about, I've got to deal with this parent or I've got to, I've got to deal with, uh, you know, um, an issue with the team, or did I make sure that I have this planned out correctly, whatever it is, and you get distracted. Um, the other part uh, is the physical part, right? And I feel that that's tremendously important. Uh, coming off of the shoulder surgery, which I'm still in rehab, uh, physical therapy, uh, getting into a routine for me is my life. So morning practice for me, I'm up at uh, 3.30, I'm out the door at four, I'm on the deck at five, we're done at 6.45, and I'm going over to Planet Fitness to work out for an hour, hour and a half, treadmill, weight, you know, weights, whatever I gotta do, but I'm doing that three, four times a week. 
So you've got to find a way to take care of your body because if you don't, it can get away from you. And then in turn adds depression, frustration, anxiety, and, and that will be reflected in your work. So I, I, I think those two, those two areas are pivotal and you've got a new one, you know, I mean, you, you're into your family and you've got kids and you've got kids at college and there's a lot, my wife and I, we do not have that. My life might be different if we did have children, but um, uh, it is still, those are, those are additional factors, right? Those are additional factors that you got to take into account. Yeah, Mike, you mentioned, uh, you know, when, when you get that workout in, is it, it's as much of a mental health workout as it is physical. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you, you just went through a big cycle where you've been all, doing all your running and everything. And clearly, uh, you, you know, you can just feel the, the change. You, you feel better about yourself. You feel confident. And it doesn't mean you have to do, you know, 35 miles of running a week. Just get in there and take care. You know, you do 30 minutes every day of something. You're going to feel good about yourself and you're going to take yeah. care of yourself. But it can get away from you quick. Well, Mike. So excited to have you on. Hope to uh, bring some fitter and faster clinics out your way. And, and well, I'm going to definitely that. look at that for sure. Yeah, so excited. And, uh, you know, looking forward to watching Canton continue to progress and, and watching Hunter now that he's, uh, you know, on that stage and, and absolutely some big expectations. It's going to be a lot of fun and, and seeing Martha's swimming fast this week. Mike, we really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Mike. I, I truly appreciate the invitation.